Good morning, everyone. This is Pastor Allen. We're glad that you're with us, either here in person or online. We are in a series called He, meaning God, still, accent on still, got the whole world in his hands, even though the world seems crazy now. Today's topic is pray until peace comes. And I want to start with a uh, statement about God. God has a way, a powerful way, of getting our undivided attention, doesn't he? And it's usually not, in fact, I can't even think of an example when it is things are going well. Uh, we use it going with our lives, pretty much hopefully connected with God, but not too excited about it at times. But when the bumps come in the road, when the bump comes in our relationships, when the bumps come in our job, when the bumps come in our finances, when the bumps come in our kids' education, uh, God has a way of getting our attention. I remember back in uh, 90, 91, we were back from the mission field, and uh, foreign mission field, and uh, we felt God didn't want us to go back, so we were in kind of flux or didn't know our future uh, professionally. I didn't. And at the same time, we were having marriage problems, going to marriage counseling. And so uh, the longest time I've ever fasted was during that time. And I spent more time praying probably than any other time in my life. And probably you have too when those low places come. So I thought I'd use this illustration. Have you ever been on an airplane and uh, hit turbulence? Uh, does the, the uh, co-pilot, somebody usually comes online, right? And says something, oh, relax, folks, we're, we're hitting turbulence. But what are most people doing sitting in the seat? In fact, he doesn't have to come on the announcer and say, uh, folks, you might want to pray now. We're hitting turbulence. <laughs> Most people are praying then. Even people that don't normally pray are praying then. I know when I go fly, I pray when I'm sitting, on the, sitting in the plane, especially when it takes off. It's just counterintuitive to me that that plane should be able to fly and, uh, and when landing also. Um, I suggest to you we've got like... Uh, uh, first class seating here this morning. We took out half of our chairs. <laughs> There's lots of plenty, plenty of plenty of leg rooms. So come join us when you feel safe doing that. Um, so God has a way, and it's usually not through good times. It's mostly through difficulties of getting our attention. And isn't it how ama- amazing how spiritual we are? Then you're not a maybe you didn't pray very much regularly, but during that difficult time, you prayed a lot. Um, it's just amazing how focused we become on, on God. And the flip side of that, it, Satan can't really tempt you with much during that time. Hey, I've got this, you know, you can cheat on your wife over here. Well, no, no, my wife and I are on this plane. I'm just praying that we survive. Or um, it's just amazing how spiritual we are. Uh, continue going on the outline, folks, back there. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're not too worried about somebody owing you a few hundred bucks or you, somebody didn't finish your project at home or your spouse finishing a project at home, usually the guys, uh, when you're, you know, the plane is shaking. Uh, so we get real spiritual when things get difficult. So God seems to get a lot more done in us spiritually when in the bumps, in the difficult times. <clears throat> Let me put it this way. How much have you really grown or how much have, did you really learn spiritually when life is good? And as Americans, our life has been pretty good up until the 
uh, most of us, for up to the last year. Um, don't learn a lot. We just kind of, okay, God, thank you for blessing me. Life's good. But on the other side, when is the time you've kind of drifted most away from God? When you say, okay, God, I, you know, I know you're there, but I'll kind of go do my own thing. It's when life's going pretty good, right? So God seems to get more done on our lives spiritually when there's bumps in the roads. In fact, if you're not a Jesus follower today, or if, if we can think back when we weren't, one of the ways God got you interested in spiritual things is through some difficulty you came across. So in reality, this book, we call it the Bible, God's Word, is a record of God's faithfulness. And one way you can think about this, if I asked you, what was, what's your favorite Bible story, especially when you were a kid, if you had some experience with the Bible when you were a kid, you would say stuff like uh, David and Goliath or uh, Daniel and the lion's den. It wasn't about stuff that was going good. It was about, you know, God helping people conquer difficult situations. So this is God's record of, this is a record of God's faithfulness. In the last 2,000 years since this book was written, uh, there's a history of God's faithfulness. And you can read biographies and so forth. In fact, those of us here that are Jesus followers, and if you're not, we're glad you're listening, um, we have a track record of saying, well, God was faithful. God was faithful. I mentioned this last week during that marriage difficulty that we had, and we have a great marriage now. So God was faithful. <clears throat> but our tendency is to ask the question, well, God, are you really active in the world. We sometimes think of God way up there in heaven, and we're day down in here on earth, and is he really concerned about it? Is he, re is he really involved? Does he interfere or intervene with the affairs of men? Uh, depending on your uh, political views, maybe you were asking that question a couple weeks ago during an election. Um, but God is an expert at taking care of his people during uncertain times. In fact, it's amazing if you read this book or if you look back to your history or my history or all of history, God is faithful even to unfaithful people because we're not always faithful, are we? But God is always faithful. He's an expert at taking care of us, whether it's Daniel in the lion's den or whatever it might be. <clears throat> so we mentioned a verse last time, something Paul wrote. I'm going to mention it again this week, but we're going to really uh, dwell on it next week. In fact, next week we're going to look into Romans chapter 8 as a whole, but we just mentioned this one verse that, that most people are Jesus followers for a while pretty much know. We don't do a really good job believing it, I don't think, but we know it. So Romans 8, 28 says, we know that God causes everything. Well, do we really know <laughs> that God causes everything to work together for the good? Not that all things are good, but he can work good from any uh, situation to those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So this is not a promise to, to all, all people just Jesus followers, uh, but it is all, all Jesus followers. Uh, so what does that verse really say? It means that God is always at work. God is always involved. Uh, whether we can see it or think we can see it or not. But here's the big question, I think, for most of us. What do we do in the meantime? COVID's still here. God hasn't solved it, or science hasn't solved God hasn't used the scientists to solve it yet, etc. So what do we do? It's like nine months now. Could have had a baby by now, right? Uh, nine months, a long time. And it's going, getting worse. 
So we're going to look at something a guy by the name of Paul wrote in the, in, in the New Testament. And he's going to give us an answer to that question. But let me warn you ahead of time. It's going to seem extremely impractical. Most of us are like, well, do this, 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 and it'll, it'll be solved. And that's not going to be the case. But God will guarantee you that it works. I can't guarantee it works, but God can. So Paul, a little history on Paul. Paul was this guy that was very religious. Uh, but when, the, when the Christianity started, uh, he thought it was a ripoff of, of Judaism. He was a Jew. And so he did everything he could to stop it, <laughs> to try and stop it. Let me put it that way. Christianity. And he was even killing people that were Jesus followers. Uh, then he had this amazing encounter with, with God, and he became a Jesus follower. So he's just as enthusiastic about, you know, uh, following Jesus as he was about persecuting Christians. And he felt God wanted him to take this message, Christian message, to people that weren't Jewish. I mean, he took it to Jewish people too. So he traveled around in what we call Turkey and Greece, Basically, uh, Greek-speaking people. He even got to Rome, and we'll talk about that. <clears throat> now, think about this for a minute. You're a, a Jew, a minority in, in, in their, their world, just like they are today, and you're traveling to these Greek cities, and you go in there, into that town, and you say, hey, uh, all you Greek people that believe in Apollo and, and Zeus and all those other gods, uh, you're, you're mistaken, the real true God is this guy named Yahweh, and I want to tell you about him. Now, if you're a, a Greek listening to Paul, what are you thinking? <laughs> Who is this, this uh, goofy guy? Uh, why should I even believe anything you said? The amazing thing is, guess what? Some of them believed it. And Paul would start these little churches in these towns. And we're going to look at the one that he started in a place called Philippi. Uh, but the Jewish the people didn't like it. Now, when he went into a town, he went to the synagogue first, and he talked to Jews. But in, in this one town, I think it was Philippi, um, the, the Jewish people didn't like it. And so they, this mob gathered, and they were making lies, telling lies about Paul, and they got him arrested. And in fact, they, were gonna, they wanted to kill him. And actually, by being arrested, it probably saved his life. And so the... Roman soldiers were going to uh, punish Paul, and Paul said, hey, hey wait a minute, guys. Um, you do this to Roman citizens without a trial? And they said, uh-oh. <laughs> You're a Roman citizen? And in fact, the guy said, I had to buy my citizenship. It cost me a lot of money. What about you? He said, no, I was born. I, you know, one of my parents was, was a Roman citizen. And so they protect him. But he's got to go on trial. In fact, he's appealed to Caesar. So he's got to go to Rome. So they put him on a boat. <laughs> now, this wasn't a, a cruise liner that some of you have been on. Uh, he's a prisoner, right? So he's probably chained to the bottom of the boat someplace. Anyway, the, the boat wrecks. They cut in a storm. The boat wrecks. They, everybody survives to get on shore. And then they spend like the next three months of the winter season on this island. He's still a prisoner. Then he finally winds up in Rome, and he's again still a prisoner and for at least two years before he has a trial. Now, the neat thing is, what does he do during these two years? Well, he started this church in Philippi and Galatia 
and he's other places, so he starts writing letters to them. That's fantastic, because you know why? We have some of those letters in here, right? The words of encouragement and instruction he gave to those churches he started, we still can read them today, and we're going to read some of, of one of those. <clears throat> now, have you ever uh, been in a situation where you told a story about yourself, whether a good story, like I caught this fish that was this big, or I shot this deer with this many points or whatever. I'm not a hunter or fisherman, so I don't know the terminology. But anyway, uh, you tell that story and then somebody else comes along and says, well, no, I caught a fish this big or I caught a deer this big. And you think, well, why did I even share about my story? On the negative side, you ever say, you know, my life's been really tough. You know, I grew up with only one parent or uh, this happened to me or whatever that happened. Then somebody else gets up and says, tells their story, and yours seems like, why, why did I even get up and share my story? Well, that's kind of the way we're going to feel, I think, when we think about what Paul writ, wrote here and about Paul's uh, history. Paul was shipwrecked multiple times. He was stoned to the place where they thought he was dead. That's why they stopped stoning him, <laughs> but he survived. Uh, he, you can read, he, he, he'd list, he lists his, his experiences. So, I don't know about you, but when I think about my life compared to Paul's experiences, I think, yeah, I don't have much to complain about. So, with that background, we're going to read what he says to this church he started in Philippi, what he wrote to them. Because we're going to think, again, we're going to think, this is really impractical. But with Paul's background, he wrote this. So, it's Philippians 4, we're going to start in verse 4. It says, rejoice always. What? We can't rejoice COVID going on, rejoice always. Well, wait a minute. Paul was re rejoiced when he was shipwrecked and he was in prison. Man, how can I complain? So what do we rejoice in? Well, we rejoice in good stuff normally. Uh, got a new job. Uh, got a good report from the doctor. My kids are doing well in school, or in this case, I'm doing well in distance learning. Most of them aren't, but uh, maybe some are. Uh, I just got engaged or... I uh, just got married, or I just got, you know, we're pregnant with a next, uh, ch first child, another child, or <clears throat> whatever. We rejoice in those things. But if you want to have children and can't, you're not much rejoicing, is there? If you want to get, have a, uh, get engaged and you have no boyfriend or girlfriend, that's difficult. Uh, probably not rejoicing in that. When you get a bad medical result, you, you're not normally result, uh, rejoicing in that. Not that we should be happy about things. But here, I left out a couple words. I edited Philippians 4.4. He didn't say rejoice always. He, he had a caveat. He says rejoice in the Lord always. So when I get a good report or bad report, <coughs> those of us who have a relationship with God, God has God changed? We're going to talk about this in a few minutes. God hasn't changed. Good report, bad report. Post Pre-COVID or post-COVID or during COVID, God hasn't changed. So we sh if we can rejoice before COVID, we should still be able to rejoice, not about COVID, but about or in the Lord. <clears throat> so what are you rejoicing in? What are you happy about? Well, all of our situations are different. But, you know, COVID hasn't you know, it's affected me, but I have, still have a job. I still have a house. My health is still good. Nobody I... No, uh, close to me has gotten sick. Certainly none of them have died because of this. So he says, just in case we 
didn't get it the first time. He says, rejoice in the Lord always, and I say it again. Rejoice. So what is he really saying? I'll give you my interpretation of it. He says, reflect on God's goodness and mercy, and you can add other stuff, his love, his grace, etc. Reflect on God's goodness and mercy on the outline uh, until your emotions catch up with your reality. Let me say that again. Until your emotions catch up with your reality. Uh, we sing as part of our worship. Different reason we do that, but one reason we do that is because that connects with us on an emotional level, doesn't it? Um, my wife told me she was listening to 70s music yesterday. Well, why was she listening to 70s music? How old was my wife in the 70s? That's when she was a teenager, right? And mo- probably everybody watching or here remembers the music of your teenage years, don't you? Be- why? Because it connected with you on an emotional level. And when we sing the songs we sing, sometimes they bring tears to my eyes. Why? Because it connects with me on an emotional level and the same thing with you. And when we do baptism, we just sit there, oh, that's nice that person getting baptized. What do we do when somebody gets baptized? We cheer. It's an emotional thing. Emotional for us because we've seen this person that's made this decision to give their life to Jesus. So Paul is saying you can rejoice in good times or bad times, reflecting on the goodness of God, not on the surface level, but deep down in the emotional level. And that's going to be significant as we look at this solution. So he says, goes on, let your gentleness be evident to all. That means everybody should notice that you are a Jesus follower. You're different. Your character is different. And I also put this on the outline. Your character is the result of what God has done inside of you. So when things get tough, are you still gentle? My wife sometimes, I get cranky sometimes, and maybe you do too, uh, when I'm stressed. But that's part of the problem, and we're going to talk about not getting that way so our character doesn't erode. So hopefully you're just as honest in good times as bad times. You don't start getting dishonest. You're just as gentle in good times as bad times. So it goes on. Your gentleness is evident to all. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. Again, we sometimes think, God's way off there in heaven, I'm down here. Well, as Jesus followers, we have this theology, we believe actually the Spirit of God dwells in us. So in reality, He never goes away, does He? (laughs) He's always with us. You can't get much nearer than that, can you? So part of this solution is remember that God is always near. And then God gives us the secret to handling. I like the word secret. Not really a secret, but it's a solution. The difficult times without allowing the difficult times to control us. That's the key. Are we controlling us or are our circumstances controlling us? And then we get to the verse that most of you probably watching or, or listening to me know. But the reality is we don't do it. Philippians 4, 6. Don't be anxious or don't worry about anything. Anybody here never worry about anything? I can't see people at home, but I can see people in here. 
No hands, ah, okay. No surprise there, right? Don't be anxious about, God, you don't know what I'm going through. You know what it's like living with COVID and my kids are home and I'm trying to teach, they're trying to learn and uh, they're not doing so well and it's a, you know, we can't have, thank, maybe in your situation, Josiah, you can't have Thanksgiving. This is how life, you know, this is affected us. Don't be anxious, worry, don't be stressed. Uh, don't, uh, we have lots of words for this situation, don't we? And when you get stressed or and I get stressed and my, or my wife gets stressed and I say to her, ah, don't be anxious about anything, that's really helpful, right? That's what she always tells me. Yeah, I want you to tell me that. Every hour, come in and tell me, don't be anxious about anything. It feels like hitting is what she feels like doing, right? Because just to say that isn't helpful, is it? But I want to remind you of something. I've not been in the military. Oh, by the way, some of you know Mr. Henry in our congregation. He had a fall. He was at a nursing home. Last week, I told the first service, anyway, that he's back home. He came with, he's in with, worship with us this morning. <laughs> Fantastic, right? Fantastic. <clears throat> he was in the military for like 30 years, so that's why I'm going to use him as an example. Your officer doesn't have to say, this is an order, and then he tells you something, does he? He just says it, and what? It's automatically an order. Same thing with God. So when we read the scripture or, and God says, don't be anxious, it's an order. So when you and I are anxious, what are we doing? If you're not obeying the order, you're what? You're disobeying. So this isn't some minor thing, because this is one of those we call in the church the acceptable sins, right? Because we all worry, so it's acceptable. No, no, not to God, it's not. So here's how God would like you to replace your anxiety. Because you can't live in a vacuum. You can't just not be anything. So he gives us the secret, the solution, whatever. But most of us know this, and we still don't do it. So I'm going to try and give you a little help this morning. So the, the verse goes on. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, prayer, petitions, and thanksgiving. Prayer, we pray, pray all kinds of prayers. We pray about all kinds of different things. Petitions are requests. And then with Thanksgiving, it's interesting, this is Thanksgiving week. And hopefully you can be thankful. I think most years during Thanksgiving, we're a little more thankful than we are other times in the year, uh, less complaining about our situations. <clears throat> but you read that verse, or I read the verse to you, or you think about that, and if you've been around church, you've heard it before, you think, what do you think I've been doing? Right? Don't you think I've been praying about COVID? Don't you been praying about thy kids being at home, <laughs> trying to learn, etc., etc., etc.? So I think the next part may be a key to helping us understand this a little bit better. Present your request to God. Well, isn't that what praying is? Yes, but that word present has a specific meaning. It literally means to reveal. So we're going to talk about revealing to ourselves and revealing to God. Reveal to God what it is you really desire. Reveal to God what you really desire. Because times of uncertainty bring to the surface our greatest fears, don't they? So what are those fears? A lot of times our prayers are, God, help me find the keys, you know, help me, you know, get home safe, and, uh, help me have a good night's sleep. All these things are great. You should pray about those, those things. 
help me get over my cold, whatever it might be. Uh, but that's not addressing your, your deep, greatest fears. And those aren't the things you really worry about. Well, maybe we do worry about our keys, but anyway. <clears throat> so here's a, a, a literal way of saying that. God, here's what I want, and here's why I want it. Because I'm afraid of this will happen if you don't, or this won't happen if you don't. Uncertainty surfaces my deepest insecurities and my hidden values. What is it that you value? Well, I value security, and I'm insecure right now. Uh, do you value forgiveness? Do you truly believe God has forgiven you? Do you truly believe your spouse has forgiven you? Your parents have forgiven you? Your children have forgiven you? Uh, your pastors, I don't, you're all forgiven. You don't have to worry about your pastor forgiving you. <laughs> and we ask this question, why? Why, why, why? You know, why is this difficult, this relationship difficult? Why don't I have a relationship? Uh, why did my spouse die? Why, why, why? And Paul is saying, you need to bring it to God. Bring it to God and leave it with God. And that's kind of how he's trying to teach us how to do it. So then he says this, then you will experience God's peace. When we worry, stressed, anxious, we don't have peace. This is, you'll experience God's peace if you do this right, which exceeds anything you can understand. Again, people will notice. There's going to be something different about you and I. And I, I want to dwell on this part. His peace will guard your hearts and minds. What do we pray? God, guard my kids from drugs or guard my kids from this you know, or, or guard me from COVID or whatever. He said, no, no, no. This is what you need God to guard you from. He needs to guard your heart and your mind. Now, let me ask a simple question. Again, raise your hands. How many people have you experienced extraordinary peace, unexplainable peace in the midst of difficulty? Raise your hand. Okay. Majority of people here have raised their hand. And if you didn't raise your hand, you're probably lying. If you're a believer, you're probably lying. But anyway, I don't want to call you a liar. Uh, but the point is, the majority of us have raised our hand, which means what? This is doable, Right? Because many of us have experienced it. Now, we haven't experienced it all the time, but we've experienced it at times. So guard means to stay and watch over. So instead of, God, yeah, watch over my kids and my grandkids, uh, but God, watch over my heart and mind. Heart and mind. Invite God to do that. That's the key if we're going to have this peace and then we're not going to be anxious. So in times of uncertainty, we're going to pray until the peace comes. So stay on your knees till the peace comes. Or on your face or however you pray. Staring at the ceiling, whatever it might be. Pray until the peace comes. Again, we say, God, keep me safe today and amen. In Jesus' name, amen. And we go on. No. Pray until the peace comes. Because most of us can pray and worry at the same time, can't we? We're expert at this. So I'm going to give you some samples, suggestions, obviously just ideas. God, here is why I, what I want, why I want it, excuse me, and what I'm afraid will happen if you don't do it. And the reason I'm so afraid is because I guess I'm pretty insecure and will never really learn to trust you. C.S. Lewis, most of you know who he is. Because when we pray, expect God to change things, right? Make things better. 
I've learned that prayer isn't about changing God. We already talked about God doesn't change. We don't want God to change, do we? We don't want him to go from loving to unloving, forgiving to unforgiving. So we don't want God to change. Prayer is about changing me. Another way of saying it is this. You're not okay and I'm not okay because the world changed. COVID went away, for example. You're okay because you changed. So I'm going to give you a fill-in prayer. Heavenly Father, I need you to what? Help my kids learn how to <laughs> distance learn. Whatever You fill in whatever you want. But here's the important part. If you don't, or if they don't, I'm afraid that. What are you afraid of? That they'll never learn anything <laughs> and never get a decent job? I, I don't know. I have grandkids in that situation. I have kids in that situation. What is your greatest fear? What is your greatest anxiety literally about on the emotional level, not the intellectual level? You're supposed to guard your heart and mind. So, have you made your deepest and most hidden requests known to God? And if so, are you at peace? See, when anxiety is under control, then you can choose what you think about. Because I, when I'm stressed, I can't choose, can I? I am focused in on this thing that, that is stressing me, and, and I can't choose. Only as the anxiety is under control can I choose th- what to think about. And Paul tells us what we should be thinking about in the next verse. Dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what? What is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely. And Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Well, let me ask you a simple question. Isn't that better than worrying? So here's your think about. We mentioned this last week. When life is uncertain, God is not. When life is uncertain, God is not. So what are you and I supposed to do in the meantime? That's what Paul told us. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you so much for uh, somebody that his life was way, way more difficult than I will ever experience and was able to uh, be above it, I guess is the way to say it, to not be anxious and to be able to rejoice, not in the bad stuff, but rejoice in the fact that God, you're a gracious God, that you've uh, sent your son Jesus to die for me, that I have an experience, a uh, personal ex- relationship with you, and I've experienced that, that forgiveness. And uh, uh, you are with me always. And then when I leave this earth, I'll spend eternity with, with you in heaven. Uh, we thank you for that. And if you're not a Jesus follower and you're listening, we pray today would be the day that you do that. Free gift. God says just, just accept it. Uh, deep inside of you, you know that, that you have this, this issue. You might not know what it is. You're separated from God. Um, and you need to be forgiven for him and be connected with him to have peace. So God is promising peace, p- eternal peace, as well as these temporary pieces when we're struggling with these issues. So God, I thank you that the, we have this promise from you that there is a solution that we do not have to live in worry and anxiety. In fact, we're disobedient when we do. Forgive us. And help us, give us the wisdom and the know-how, I guess, to implement what Paul has told us about so we can have this peace. It's important for us to have this peace, but not only for us, for others. 
and say, there's something different about you. What is it? And we say, well, I'm a Jesus follower. I, I can have peace even in the midst of difficulty. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.